obviously tonight, one of the biggest things that we're going to do is we're going to take our uh, 2018 Give to Grow, our capital campaign pledges for this year that, that helps us get to the place where we can buy a building or buy some land. And, um, and, uh, but before we do, when we get in, uh, I'm not going to read it quite yet, but the book of Haggai, we're going to go there. Now, I'm going to warn you right now, the book of Haggai it, it starts very negative. It's because people weren't doing it right. I'm going to have to read it as it is written. But I want you to know I'm not trying to guilt trip anybody, nor am I trying to say that we're doing it negative. I would like to show you that with every negative lesson, there is a positive lesson to that as well. Lord says you haven't done it. If you'll do it, this will happen. Well, you could just as easily say you've been doing this. Look at the blessings of God. And so that would be where we get. Ten years ago, my wife and I became pastor of the Lighthouse United Pentecostal Church. There were nine voting members in June of 2008. We left a church in Toledo, Ohio, where we were youth pastors that ran consistently in the 300s. Our youth group uh, averaged somewhere, you know, and, and it would fluctuate as kids would grow and, and more would come in, but it averaged between 40 to 70 kids in the four and a half years that we were youth pastors there. And God began to direct us and God began to to. Uh, say, Brandon, you're, you're going to be moving. And I began to talk to my pastor. I'm so very thankful for the ministry and the leadership of Brother uh, Mark Jordan. Uh, most of you don't know him, but you're going to get a chance to because in November he's going to be here and preach to us. But an incredible mentor and pastor of my life. And I would go in his office and I'd talk to him. I'd say, Brother Jordan, I don't know what I'm feeling. I, I don't understand how it's all going to play out. And through that, he began to help me hear the voice of God to understand that God was directing us to pastor. We came here to the lighthouse and there was uh, blue carpet, there was blue glass on the windows, there was blue paisley wallpaper under the white paint that covered it, there were blue pews, and I hear that song that I'm blue, da-da-dee-da-da-dum. But I remember so vividly those of you that were here, Sister Julie, Sister Dawn, Sister uh, uh, Sharon and the brother Ron and Sister Tracy and I know I'm missing them right now but uh, I remember asking this question brother uh, uh, the Cunninghams and brother Vickers I said are y'all ready to see God move those that were there looked me in the eye and they said pastor we so desperately want God to move in O'Fallon I remember passing this church as a young man feeling my call to preach, and I'm not at all trying to say that, that, that back when I was going to Gateway and, and Bible College that I knew this is where I was going to end up, not a chance. Most of the time I was more worried about what I was going to eat that night, not because I was starving, but just because food was very important to me. Some of you can say amen to that. But I remember passing this church and just saying, man, this church is in a great location, in a great place for God to move and God to have a way. This church began to grow. It's God's glory. It's God's presence. You're here. You're a part of that. In 2014 and 2015, I began to say, God, I, I've seen the way, and, and you've blessed, my goodness, we've been able to rebuild this church 
from the foundation up. We, this auditorium, those of you that remember, we took it all the way to the bricks on the outside and all the way to the plywood and sometimes all the way to the, 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 the uh, not rafters, what do you call them, the, the floor joists. Some of it, it was there. We took it up. We rebuilt that. But I said, Lord, how in the world are we ever going to afford how are we ever going to get to the place where we can buy another building or buy another land? We don't have enough land here uh, where we are that we can, we can continue to grow. And I agonized over that. Most of you don't even know it. It was a private conversation that I had with God. I said, God, how do we do it? There were some options that we had, and I pursued some of those options. I would talk to different people, and each time I would talk, I felt this just subtle uh, check in my spirit that says, that's not the way. That's not the way. That's not the way. Not that those ways were bad, but it was the Lord. Finally, I felt towards the end of 2015, God impressed upon me the way that he chose for the lighthouse to continue to grow. And so in 2016, we launched what we call now Give to Grow. Those of you who were here, we, we started in January on Wednesday nights with that Dave uh, 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 no, not Dave Ramsey, not, not, uh, it'll come to me in a minute. Robert Morris, let's try there. We started with Robert Morris's uh, uh, Blessed Life. We played those videos. Thank you. I didn't have that in my notes, so I'm kind of getting, getting off. I want to go other places right now. But we started with that, and, and I, I mentioned it this morning. I watched as we responded. I watched as people grabbed hold of that. And this morning and tonight still proves to me that you can preach about giving and have a move of God. And so it was that we did that. Then we did, uh, for those of you that, that took it on, and, and, and there was an investment, a $100 investment that you had to do. We did the Dave Ramsey, and we launched Give to Grow. I haven't made this really public, but I'm going to tell you that, that I, Give to Grow, it was, it was that, that we would give, or, or at least kind of the idea was to take February to November, 10 months, to, to ask for a $1,000 a year building pledge above and beyond your tithes and your offering and we, 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 we said that you know you, you have 10 months that's $100 a month we broke it down farther than that uh, it, it averages out most months have four weeks there's a few that have extra but most months have four weeks and, and, and we said that that's $25 a week and we stress the, the, the uh, simple giving the consistent giving I'll be honest with you it was stressful and my own personal uh, pastoral vision, I identified about 25 to 30 people that may would catch the vision. I didn't tell you this because, see, I'm a, y'all know me. I see, I have faith that, that rises, but y'all don't know sometimes I go home and I stress out a little bit. And I, I said, God, if, if, if there's any way that we could just find 25 or 30 people, if, if we could end 2016 with, with maybe an offering of 20,000 or, or God, man, if, if you could do 30,000, it would be a miraculous thing. I, I told God that. I said, but I'm not limiting you. I just, that's kind of my own little goal. I didn't tell you all that because I didn't want to decrease your faith. We took that, that pledge drive in 2016 and when we got done and I began to, to look at that, I remember my entire body began to shake because this church had pledged $54,372 in 2016. And, and, and again, the devil began to tap me in the back of my head and he said, yeah, you might get that, but watch everything else go down. 
Watch your sheaves for Christ's giving. Watch your tithes. They'll just replace it. But I had read the present and the word of God and I'd felt the presence of God and I knew that he could do it. And I'm so thankful that when 2016 ended, we exceeded that pledge of 54000 and we ended 2016 with $55,668.50. I danced publicly and I danced privately to the Lord saying thank you for your miraculous work. That year we had one of the largest She's for Christ offerings we'd ever had. That same year our tithing rose. It was because you began to catch the vision of God's economy. In 2017, we entered with high expectations. The pledges were over $58,000, and we begin to watch that come in. But because I'm human, we track it, and I begin to try to look, and I begin to see, man, I don't think there's any way we'll make our goal. As it got closer, I realized we would reach at least 50,000, which was okay with me. Still an amazing number, but I remember thinking, saying, well, Lord, I I guess we kind of saw a little tapering, but I'm okay with that. But at the end of that, it, it went all the way down to the very last day. And the pledges of 58,000 came true and you gave $62,946.29 exceeding the goal. And once again, I heard the Lord say, see, I told you, if you'll trust me, I'll do it. That two-year giving, that incredible two-year giving that you've given. There were a few small fundraisers in that, but it's mainly the giving of those that sit in this building right now of $118,614.79. But combined with the interest that we're making, very good interest, and combined with giving this year already, some of you have already started to give even though we hadn't even launched it. Right now, we stand with a Give to Grow offering over the last two years of $120,614.98. And I say to God, be the glory. All I'm doing for that is letting you understand where we're at. But if you have your Bibles, I'm going to preach the negative, but I don't want you to see it negative. If I will, I want you to see the positive. When God is having to get on to some people in the book of Haggai, I want you to look at the positive. I want you to say, he's not getting on to me. We've done this, so watch what happens in the book of Haggai. Uh, Chapter 1, I want you to look with me at verse 7. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the hills and bring wood and build the house that I may take pleasure in it, that I may be glorified, says the Lord. If you want to know what the goal of give to grow is, this is the goal. That one day we would be able to go up Bring down the materials and build the house and God will take pleasure in it and he'll be glorified. That's the end purpose of what we are doing right now. In the book of Haggai, things begin to happen. Let me tell you a little bit about the history there. In the year of 536 B.C., the foundations of the temple were laid in Jerusalem after a time of being in bondage and captivity. There was a time you find in the book of Ezra chapter 3 that they laid the foundation. Solomon's temple had been utterly destroyed. I mean there wasn't even hardly a stone standing on a stone and Solomon's temple was one of the most magnificent structures ever erected. It was huge and now they came and they laid the foundation of the temple 
and the younger men, they shouted for joy while some of the older generation that remembered the grandness of Solomon's temple, they wept a little bit. But Haggai most likely had seen Solomon's temple, but he was undoubtedly one that expressed joy because God was working. They had been in exile for so long. But as reality so often happens, it did not take too long for that foundation uh, that was laid for, for kind of their excitement to wear off. Opposition came. They, they were not fully released from Babylonian rule. There was a lot of people that over uh, the last 70 or plus years had kind of moved into Israel and, and they, were, they were there and there was a lot of warring going on. and It, it was so much that Nehemiah, he, he, if you read the book of Nehemiah, they had to get to the place where in one hand they had a sword or a bow and the other hand they had a building tool because they would have to put a few bricks on the wall and then fight off an attack from a roving band. They'd have to put a few more bricks on the wall and then have to defend their land. It was going on. On and on. And because of that, the work on the temple lay unfinished. All of us have seen in our lives somewhere something that someone started and never finished. And so it was that here for almost 15 years, that temple lay unfinished until Haggai came. And he began to admonish the leaders. I want you to see what he has to say, Haggai chapter 1. In the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai, the prophet of Zerubbabel, the son of Shatil, the governor of Judah, to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, these people say time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. Is it a time for yourselves to dwell in paneled houses while this house lies in ruins? Now therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You've sown much and harvested little. You've eaten, never had enough. You drink and never have you fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. He who earns his wages does so and puts them in a bag with holes. And then we read that part where he says, I'm telling you, consider your ways, go up into the hills, bring the wood, build the house that I may take pleasure in it, that I may be glorified. You looked for much, and behold, it came to little. When you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, declares the Lord of the host, because my house that lies in ruins, while each of you busies himself with his own house. Therefore the heavens above you have withheld the dew, and the earth has withheld its produce. And I have called for a drought upon the land and the hills, on the grain, the new wine, the oil, and what the ground brings forth on man and beast and all their labors. The negative was this. They got so concerned about their own life and their own jobs and their own buildings that they neglected the house of the Lord. And because of that, God caused them not to prosper that's the negative but can I tell you there is a positive side to that story that when you seek first the kingdom of God all these other things are added unto you and I am looking at a congregation that for the last two years you have been actively preparing the house of the Lord and you've been growing and because of that you have seen the blessing of God in your life See, the first thing is, is you got to put God first and foremost in your life. It's interesting, and again, maybe some have this, and if so, let me preach to you for a moment. There was an excuse that was given. 
it's not time to rebuild the house of the Lord. That was their, that was the result, if you will, the, the, the defense of them not working. Billy Sunday said an excuse is the skin of a reason stuffed with a lie. Benjamin Franklin said this, I never knew a man who was good at making excuses who was good at anything else. Pretty true. But they made excuses why you couldn't do it. The economy isn't right. The church is no way going to be able to, to give. But I have found that those excuses have gone out the window because of the evidence of what God has done. If you go back in Haggai and in this, this story, you will find that when uh, they let some of the remnant out of Babylon to go back to Jerusalem, you will find that Cyrus the king gave them a credit card with no limit and said whatever you need to rebuild the temple, you just show this credit card, this letter of writ, and you'll get whatever you need. There shouldn't have been any excuses. Because God had already promised, I will supply all your needs. It was sad that these people got so caught up in building their own houses and their own lives and neglected the house of God. The Bible says they were paneled houses. That word panel, it means exactly what you, you, you know that there was... It, but basically it was usually paneled houses were only fit for, for kings and royalty. But man, they were living high on the hog while the house of God was in ruins. But Matthew uh, records Jesus' words. Let me read it to you again. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things, your food, your clothing, your shelter, your jobs, shall be added unto you. And I would tell you today, that the church of God will never expand if we're evasive in what God calls us to do. The kingdom of God will never grow in our own lives and local churches will never be able to, to move where it needs to go unless the congregation grabs hold of that, seek first the kingdom of God. I love it. They began to believe the promises Haggai invited them, why don't you just see what God could do? You've tried it your way for so long and your pockets have holes in it. You go plant and it doesn't grow like you ought to grow. Don't you remember God's covenant all the way back in Leviticus and Deuteronomy? Don't you remember he said if you would obey his law, he would bless you. But your strength has been spent in vain. You've sowed abundantly but reaped little. You've ate and drank but you have not been filled. Your clothing doesn't keep you warm. Your income doesn't cover your expenses and it's not a good thing those Jews I'm convinced they returned to their homeland after that time of exile and they thought everything was just going to go right back they thought it was going to be perfect they thought that God was going to give them some blessings but instead their disappointment was drought came and the dew didn't come and the blessing was removed and once more the prophet revealed their source of trouble they were too busy building their own lives and neglecting the kingdom of God now that's a negative. Can I tell you the positive is? I have seen a congregation that has caught the vision of saying, Lord, I want to invest in your kingdom and you are reaping the rewards right now. 
Haggai chapter 1 verse 7 and 8 talks about honoring the name of the Lord. And uh, when the Babylonians came and they, they, they burned the temple, what, what happened was they destroyed, there was a, a wooden framework, massive timbers that were there and it held the stones together, uh, if you will. And so when the fire came, obviously the fire is not going to burn the stones, but it burnt the frame of that incredible edifice and those stones all fell over. They would have to be replaced. If you go to Ezra chapter 3 and verse 7, you find that the Jews went with that that credit card from King Cyrus, if you will, and they bought wood from Tyre and they bought wood from Sidon to rebuild the temple. But I find it interesting that, that, that Haggai told them he said, you got to go back up in the mountains and you got to bring wood down and you've got to rebuild the temple. It begs this question. What did they do with the wood they bought? Now, the Bible doesn't say this, but I don't think it's a stretch. Did the people use it for their own houses? Did, did some clever person figure out that you know they've sat on this wood that's been stored up for 15 years I think I could kind of make some wood and and maybe he made some profits you got to help but wonder how could they make wood paneled houses if they didn't have any wood for God's kingdom other pastors have said this and I'm going to say it as well I'm amazed how some Christians They can have the best for themselves but give God leftovers. I don't like it when churches have worn out furniture and worn out clothing that's sent to the missionaries. I don't want to bring to the church gifts that I'm embarrassed. I don't want God to get my leftovers. But we're worshiping right now in a church that you have blessed and you have given and you have sweated your tears and your blood and you've come and you've built the church and you've said, God, I want to give you my best. I want to honor you with my best. I want to do everything I can to give you praise. The Lord's prayer starts this way, hallowed be thy name. One pastor said it, Dr. G. Campbell Morgan preached a sermon on Haggai chapter 1 verse 4 and he says this, whereas the house of God today is no longer material but spiritual. What we mean by that is we don't have a temple, we don't have a tabernacle anymore. In fact, the Bible says that God inhabits this tabernacle of flesh. He lives inside of you. And so we don't hold the same uh, view of the local church as they would have held of the temple. But whereas the house of God today is no longer material but spiritual, the material, this building, this edifice is still very much a real symbol of the spiritual. Watch this. I have seen this in my own life of 38 years, and my wife and I have been blessed to travel all over this country. We have been in churches that were absolutely falling apart. And we have been in churches that were the grandest facility I've ever seen. But here it is. When the church of God in any place, in any locality, is careless about the look of their assembly and the look of the place of its worship and its work, it's a sign and evidence that the spiritual life is at a low ebb. 
Does that mean we have to have gold in our church? Absolutely not. Because I've been in depressed economic places where they did their very best to make sure their church was clean. And even if it meant putting a piece of a, a, a coat of paint on, they said we're going to do our very best to make the house where we come to worship because it represents the spiritual inside. There is a God mandate to let our churches grow. In Haggai chapter 1 verse 12, the, the people heard the voice of God and they began to obey his command. When God speaks, really there's only one thing you have to do, obey. You shouldn't weigh the options, you shouldn't examine, you know, is there any other way? It's kind of like I tell Zane and Zoe and I'm telling Zeke, I don't think he gets it yet, but I'm dad, I'm boss, when I say do it, don't ask why, just do it. And when I say those things in the back of my mind, I, I hear my mom saying those things, I hear my dad saying those things. And when I was Zane's age, I didn't understand it, but now I do. I think God does the same thing, he talks to us and he gives us a, a commandment, he speaks to us and we try to negotiate, we try to change it, we try to get him talking about something else, but can I tell you the greatest thing you can ever do is just simply obey and they begin to I, I know that if we're not careful we can make excuses well I don't think we need to build I, I don't think we've got enough people I don't think we've got enough finances I, I don't think we can find the right piece of land I, I don't think it's right for revival yet it's not quite the time but I'm thankful I'm in a church that doesn't give excuses I'm thankful I'm in a church that says, while we, under, we may not understand it all, we understand that this is the day of salvation. And right now is the accepted time. And that's why it's so important that we give our time, our talent, and our treasures. Let me very, 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 very uh, fast skip ahead. There's a lot more that I could talk about in the book of Haggai. There's a lot of things that I could get to. Some, some, some more powerful uh, uh, commandments and, and even blessings. And I want to challenge you, go and read it yourself. It's only two chapters. It's the second shortest book in, in the Old Testament. But when you get through the book of Haggai, you're going to find some practical lessons that you need to understand. There's five of them, and I want to, I want to read them to you. Number one, the work of God is started, sustained, Completed and encouraged by the Word of God. It's the Word of God that causes us to start this process. It's the Word of God that keeps us in this process. It's the Word of God that over a course of now three years that sustains us and encourages us. I would love to have already been in a building. I would love to already have a brand new place but I understand that it takes some time. There's a, a period where we've got to raise the funds but I just start reading the Word and I've never lost hope because the Word of God begins it, sustains it, and encourages it. Second thing is you got to work together to build God's temple. When you, when you put all of the stories of this together, and you're going to have to 
to, to, you're going to have to pull from Nehemiah. You're going to have to pull from Ezra. You're going to have to pull from Haggai. You're going to have to pull from Zechariah. And what you found is Haggai was an older man. Zechariah was a younger man. Both of them had a call in the church right now. And both of them had to work together. Can I tell you, there's not a place in God's kingdom or God's church for competition. It takes all of us to do it. Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, we are laborers together with God no one yet has stepped up to the plate and handed me a million dollars and say build a church yet what that means is we have to work together to raise that another thing you learn in Haggai is when the outlook is bleak start looking up oh there was some times when when, 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 when I would look and say God how in the world is this church going to sustain that giving some have lost their jobs. Some people have moved away. God, it's never going to happen. But every time that old devil tries to let me start looking down, I hear the voice of the Lord saying, look up. And I put my attention on heaven. And God says, would you just trust me? And would you just watch? Because what I have started, I am well able to finish. And I am telling you today that what you are doing right now is absolutely a part of the future that God has in store of this church I don't know how long it's going to take I don't know what all we're going to have to do but I have learned this this is the fourth thing that when you put God first it guarantees the best blessing God has for you again if you give so you get the blessing you miss the whole purpose of giving if you give so that God will put something in your mailbox, it's not going to happen and you messed it up and you just, you, you, you totally missed it. And I'm not trying to put you on the spot, Sister Stacy, but today we went out to eat. Did you know that today is Stacy's birthday? Y'all to offer her a birthday congratulations. And, uh, but we went out to eat with Stacy's birthday, my wife and I and family and Sister Rache came over and... Uh, and so we went out to eat, and while we were there, she began to tell us, and I'm not going to tell her testimony, that's hers. And if you want to know it, I think you ought to go ask Sister Stacy. But she began to tell a testimony of how she began to give. And there were about, I think you said, two or three things that began to happen that God said, if you, you, know, if you seek first the kingdom of God, let me show you what I can do. So if you want to know how the best blessings come by putting God first, go talk to Sister Stacy. She'll let you know it works. The Bible is true. But in the book of Haggai, towards the end, it tells us this right now. That without the Holy Ghost and His work, everything we do is in vain. Can I tell you today that I don't care if you hand me two million dollars today. If we don't let God move in that, it's all in vain. Philippians chapter 2 verse 13 says it kind of like this. For it is God who works in you both to will and do for his good pleasure. 1 Corinthians says that God will demonstrate his power and he will receive glory through the weak things of this world. And so it is that you need to understand that even though we have to do these things like in just a moment we're going to pass out these pledge cards. And, and although there's some physical things that has to happen, there's no way it could happen without the power of God's Spirit.
It's the lesson that I learned back at the end of 2015. When I had had all of the ideas of how we were going to raise the money and I, I looked at a lot of different options and a lot of different programs and God just started saying, hold up. So I began to pray, I began to fast and I believe God's spirit was moving which is why today after two years of Give to Grow we have an incredible offering that's in the bank. I want to just take you very, very quickly back to January 31st, 2016 when we kick this all off. I preached about this. That in Exodus chapter 25, the Lord said unto Moses, speak to the people of Israel that they take up a contribution from every man whose heart moves him, you shall receive the contribution from me. And I want you to let them make me a sanctuary that I dwell in their midst exactly as I will show you concerning the pattern of the tabernacle. You go over to chapter 35 in Exodus. Moses had heard from the Lord. And now he gave that commandment to them. This is the thing that the Lord commanded. Take from among you a contribution to the Lord. Whoever is of a generous heart, let him bring to the Lord's contribution gold and silver and bronze and blue and scarlet and purple yarns and fine twine linen and goat's hair and tan ram skins and goat skins and acacia wood and oil and spices and, and onyx stones and other stones for the ephod and the breast piece. Let every skilled craftsman come and make what the Lord has commanded. There was a challenge given. There was a request. And then in verse 20 of Exodus 35 then all the congregation of the people departed from the presence of Moses they heard the message and they came everyone whose heart was stirred in him everyone whose spirit moved him and they brought the Lord's contribution to be used for the tent of meeting for its servants and its holy garments they came, both men and women, all who were a willing heart. They brought brooches and earrings and signet rings and armlets and every sort of gold objects. They dedicated an offering. They gave the linen and the goat skins, all of that. Remember, they didn't have money, so that, that was the, the economy that they had. All the men, the women, the people of Israel, whose heart moved them to bring anything for the work that the Lord has commanded it by Moses, and it was brought as a free will offering to the Lord. In chapter 36, it says they brought it every morning. It was a consistent giving. And I told you back in 2016, I read, it said that, that finally, verse 7 of, of, of Exodus chapter 36, Moses said, we've got enough. <laughs> you don't have to bring any more. We've given so much. And I told you that one day I hope to be able to tell you that. Say, we've reached our goal. We've got what we have. Because the material they had was sufficient to do the work and then some. It's that idea of consistent giving. Brother Kenny, Brother Darren, Brother Jared, and Brother uh, Andrew, would you come? Won't y'all take that, divide that up each between you? Two of you start on either side in the front, two of you start in the back on either side. I would like every family to have at least, at least one. We've got enough. But I really believe that it's got to the point where multiple people in your family, if, if you have that, the husband and the wife could give. All of our young people, you need one. Because I believe you need to be a part of this as well. 
This year we've, we've, we've caught the vision. We're asking you to invest your time and invest your talents and invest your treasure in the kingdom of God. This is very similar to what you've done over the last two years. But we're going to do it again. The vision that I believe God has given me is a 10-month campaign, February to November. Knowing there's four weeks roughly in a month, and actually if you do this, it will you'll actually give a little bit more because there's about three extra weeks in that. I think there's 43 weeks instead of 40. But the idea is this. Now some of you, because it happens every year, some of you are going to, you're going to fill this out and maybe even tonight you're going to write your big check and you're going to give it all at once. And for those of you that can do that, I'm going to say thank you for that. that. That helps our church so much when you can just give. But to be honest, if I wait till the end of November and you ask me to give $1,000, it's going to be really hard. I'm looking at Christmas and so I've learned for me I'm going to have to give consistently $25 a week. You could do 1250 a week or we gave you a spot to do something else because I so believe that a pastor needs to be at the forefront I'll tell you what, what I've done and I'm not trying to toot my horn I just want you to understand how much I believe in this the first year my wife and I both gave that last year we raised it again and God has blessed and this year we'll do the same that consistent giving is so important. I, uh, I'll start tomorrow. I'm going to go on my online banking. I've set up the church as a, as a, a like a bill. Just like you'd pay your water bill or your electric bill. I pay, I've set up the church as a payee. And, and I've given it and it just comes right out of my checking account. A paper check could get written by the, my bank and sent to the church. And they'll get it every week. And I'm going to set it up. I'll set it up for 43 weeks. I won't even have to think about it because I want to make sure the church receives that. So I'm asking you to prayerfully fill that out. There's one other wrinkle I'd like to add this year. And I don't have a place to write on it, but throughout the year we're going to give you some opportunities to do this. But the Lord impressed upon me the stuff that all of us have. And so tonight, I want you to put down what, you're, what you are willing to pledge to give something that you're going to take care of. Remember, we, we give, really, to be honest, God's not interested on this paper as much of the sacrifice as He is just the consistency. I want you to put something on there that you're going to be able to do. And, uh, but this year, God has begun to talk to me about our stuff. And so above and beyond what you pledge, I believe some of us have some stuff that we could do. So let me tell you what I'm going to do. There's a, 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 a gun that, that I have. and The Lord was talking to me about it. I've got a few of them. But there was a gun that I have and I'm selling that gun. And all of the money that I get, I'm going to give to give to grow. And it's going to be above and beyond what I put on this, this pledge card. Hopefully you've seen that, that spice that's in there, that rocking bee barbecue rub. If you've had my barbecue here at church, that's the exact rub I use. I've created it. I've, I've come up with it, had some help in doing so. And, 
and in and, and talking to, to a friend of mine, he showed me how there's a company here in St. Louis that will, will take my recipe and make that rub and, and they, they bottle it and then I can sell it in stores and we've started that process in doing that. And so I've, I've created that and, and, and it's being sold. and uh, it, it sells for $10, which is the, the average price for something like that, but the profits of that, which works out to be $5, is going to the building fund. We're in some contact right now in, in some stores here locally that are going to sell that. It's got a UPC code, a barcode that I've invested in. It's got things like that. I, I bought 60 of them to begin with. And I have 14 left right now. The Lord is blessed. In fact, there was one person that came to me, said, he said, Brian, he said, I want to buy 20 of them. He said, I, I'm a salesman and I want to give them to, to people that I work with and, and kind of just use it. And so he came and he bought 20 of them and he put it on his Facebook page and, and some things began to happen. And somebody from, from uh, 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 England jokingly said, well, hey, can you ship one over there? Well, of course, it'd be astronomical to ship it. And, and this, this friend of mine said well it's for a great cause and in the con in the in the conversation this lady from England said well why don't you tell me how I can just give to the cause so I connected with this lady in England and it was last uh, uh, Sunday I believe or last Monday I can't remember but this lady from England got I, I gave her I have a, a separate PayPal account just for this and I sent her the link and within 30 seconds she sent a hundred dollars to the lighthouse building fund from England that's what God's going to do some of you could have a garage sale and you could say that, that what I get in that garage sale is going to be extra for my give to grow. Some of you could, some of you ladies, you could sell a purse that you have or you, you, some of you young people, you could mow a lawn or do a babysitting job or do something that you could say, I'm going to give that portion to the church. Malachi chapter 3, we preached this morning about the importance of giving. And again, it was a negative example, but the positive is, the Lord said, try me and see if I don't open the windows of heaven and I don't pour out a blessing so great you can't even contain it. From the very beginning, all the way back in 2015, I have felt the Lord, and you know I don't use that, that verbiage very often. I don't try to... to, 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 to you know, walk in that realm all the time because I think it's reserved for something special. But I heard the Lord say to me, He said, Brandon, He talked to me personally and then He, he said it to the church as a whole. He said, if you will show me that you can be faithful in your giving. He said that to me personally. And he said that to the church as a whole. If the church can show me that it will be faithful in giving to the building fund. He said, if you'll show me that. He said, I will open up the windows of heaven. And I will begin to let 
income come into that building fund that's outside of this church that you can't even imagine. People are going to come to the door and they're going to say, I don't know you, but I've just been impressed to hand you this. I've had pastor friends of mine that this has happened and I have been praying and I felt the Lord tell me earlier this week as I began to prepare for this, I heard the Lord say, you have shown me for two years that you can be faithful. You've shown me that you're willing to do the sacrifice. And he said, this will be the year that I will open the windows of heaven and I will pour out a blessing that you that this church cannot contain and I will show you that what you give, I can do more. And I'm here to tell you today that I believe that tonight, as we fill this out, that God is going to see once again the faithfulness of this congregation. And the Lord is going to say, watch me. I believe there's a Cyrus here, not in this building, but just around. Cyrus the king that said, why don't you go back and build the temple and here's a a letter of writ, here's carte blanche, you, whatever you need. I believe that there's a business. I believe there's a business person and not, not in this church. I believe there is a Cyrus that says, I've got an offer. But God was just willing, waiting to see if we were willing to give on our own.